are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? All is well. All is well. And, uh, excited for today's guest. <laughs> How's it going to be my line? Uh, uh, oh. uh, yeah. No, there is no guest, folks. Yeah, it's we're just, just like us. finishing each other's sentences now. Yeah. So a married How couple long? or something. Um, yeah, we we could have had like a, a music um, accompaniment to, with a, <laughs> to singing uh, just the two of us. Or oh, Jesus. No. Or something like that. Yeah, no, the listenership yeah. just from. I, I'm sorry, this podcast, I'm sorry, folks, in advance. But look, um, yeah, well, look, why don't you tell them what we're doing? We have been profiling a number of the Kula team over the last few weeks, and have really enjoyed hearing their perspectives on everything from uh, you know page optimization to archetypes and, and UX and everything in between. Um, you know, but. Today, we're going to be profiling some of the thinking that you've been working on for the last, uh, you know, a, a while for sure. And uh, just around the idea of, you know, how many manufacturers, especially B2B manufacturers, are very niche or niche oriented and just kind of what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this probably isn't going to be a big. Uh... <clears throat> excuse me, a big shock to um, our listeners because, of, of course, I mean, we, we bring up uh, the niche uh, orientation of manufacturers a lot, I think, in the podcast. And even, you know, the, I, I don't know how many times we've done the whole niche niche joke over the years, but it's uh, <laughs> more than more than twice. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it, it, in, our, in our work here at Kula over the past number of years, uh, as we've deepened our expertise in the B2B manufacturing space, it just really became obvious to me after a while that it, it was the niche orientation of the market uh, opportunity that a given manufacturer has or the, the market that they serve that really defined so much of their marketing reality, their sales reality, the landscape, and, and the path forward in many ways. Yeah. And so it, it, you know, it led to a piece, I wrote a piece a little while ago, I guess, um, called the It's All Niches Now, uh, which really kind of dives into this a bit further and, uh, uh, and, and, and starts off with a bit of a odd story of, me and uh, my childhood friend uh, coming to the realization that um, uh, of, of how we could feed a, a junk food habit, but it was all required a niche uh, strategy. So this is uh, like the most post-design rationalization thing that you've ever. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe you know, it childhood is. stories. Yeah, as uh, as business lessons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it, but it does. Um, I think it does help uh, frame it up in a way that does, you know, kind of, uh, even though it abstracts it from marketing, it de-abstracts it or something. I, I agree. From, I agree. Uh, it's well in, worth a read and it's linked up in the show notes below. <laughs> and, and it does get into uh, a fair bit of uh, marketing related detail as well. It's not all about my childhood, I assure you. Absolutely. So why don't we just get into a bit of why 
we've really begun to see and and learn and uh, and apply this about why you know why niche orientation matters. Like, why is this important for manufacturers? Yeah, I mean, just think about the impact. So, so uh, you know, as an example, um, one of our clients um, uh, addresses the uh, premium pet food category. They basically serve uh, uh, premium pet food manufacturers. It's one of their core target verticals. Um, so when I say niche orientation, I mean, that that's niche orientation. We're talking about 100 and some odd, short, short of 200 kind of target accounts in their universe. Uh, so it can be totally known. So you imagine, Colin, what, that, what does that mean? Well, that changes how you think about uh, awareness, um, what it means for to have a... a uh, a, a known brand? Mm-hmm. Are you a household name, or are you known within two hundred accounts, as or even example? a subset of those two hundred accounts? Yeah, and, and uh, so, and going even further, as you as you think about it, I mean, it, it really changes everything about how you how you qualify leads, how you um, think about leads, uh, how you handle them, um, and uh, so, for instance. Um, you know, Bant qualification has no place in this. I mean, they know that they sell packaging to premium pet food manufacturers. They know that every premium pet food manufacturer needs packaging. So whether or not they need it right now, right? And, and they all have whom? they all have budget for packaging. Yep. I mean, at, at some level, that the money isn't a question. Yeah. Um, not to say there isn't price competitiveness and things of that nature. So budget, authority, need, and timeline. You know, not to say these aren't important considerations in helping shape the sale, but it it certainly, if somebody doesn't have budget in the next uh, 12 months, should they be ignored? Well, no, you'd be ignoring one two hundredth of your your potential market. And and knowing how long sales cycles can be in B2B manufacturing and how many people need to be a part of that or, you know, that that buying committee, it really is the case that, uh, you know, you can identify this market of accounts and then be working on people at different levels at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, first things first, I want people to understand that, that, um, the niche orientation of B2B manufacturing, um, has a dramatic and pervasive impact on marketing and sales function. And it really um, tweaks and changes a, a good part of, of how you, how you market and sell and, and kind of the, the tools in some ways that you have at your disposal, mm-hmm. or at least how you wield them. Um, yeah. And, 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 and so if we kind of can start there, at least I think uh, uh, it's helpful. Absolutely. So why don't we get into it? Let's uh, take our listeners through the model. And uh, it's easy to visualize, but we'll uh, ensure that we have a graphical (laughs) representation of it in the uh, transcript below. Yeah, we say it's easy to visualize. That's because we've seen it. Um, uh, So I I don't know if I'll do a good job of explaining this or not. So I'll try. You want me to try to explain the visual part of it? And you can explain (laughs) what it means? (laughs) Uh, I'll take a stab at that, maybe. So folks, um, so we've worked on this over the past number of years. 
a bit of a, a of a model that we've created to kind of shape up this landscape a, a bit, and, and we call it the Niche Navigator. Um, and so it is a, a basically a, a square um, a matrix grid, so a, a nine box uh, square um, that uh, so if you that that really has. Uh, low, medium, high on the vertical axis, and and low, medium, high on on the horizontal. So, um, so the the box in the top right is high, high, and the box in the bottom left is low, low. I can uh, see it. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. So, and so let's talk about what's on each axis. So on the vertical axis, we have a market niche orientation, and on the bottom we have account-based revenue competency so what the niche navigator really seeks to assess is where does an organization kind of sit if you will where's a manufacturer sit at the intersection of their niche orientation of their market growth opportunity and the extent to which they have fostered account-based revenue competencies within their marketing sales and service organizations and depending on that combination of factors um, we found some really interesting patterns in terms of the strategies that work the challenges that are encountered um, and the opportunities that are in front of uh, manufacturers depending upon uh, where, where they fall uh, in the grid there are, there are a, a surprising yeah. number of patterns and and we've now um, uh, assessed um, uh, we have a, a supporting uh, diagnostic questionnaire that helps plot people on, on the model or plot manufacturers on the model and we've um, uh, ha, you know, we've tested that quite extensively at this stage over the last yeah. uh, while and um, and uh, and assess it against the uh, qualitative, if you will, assessments of the marketers in those manufacturing organizations. And we've uh, got it to, to a, a really uh, interesting uh, point. Yeah, um, where they're often very close, as are our assumptions about where someone might plot. Yeah. Um, they're often very close to where they are, where where they expected themselves to be on the model and perhaps where we thought they were as well. I think one thing that's really worth noting before we get into what kind of each section of the nine box grid means and that's this idea that not every manufacturer is trying to get into that top right box. It's not going to be right for everybody. And in some cases, the progression to get there could, if you really did want to try, and it may require a complete realignment of a manufacturing organization. Yeah, in no way is this like um, a, a bit of the dead giveaway, like everybody's looking to move up and to the right. No. It's not that kind of thing at all. It's more... Um, uh, what are the pathways that are available to you, depending on where you are in the model, yep. um, and, and and what do, what are some of the characteristics of those transitions? I guess or exactly. What, you, know, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit once we've explained the uh, the model itself. Yeah. So I guess let's get into that. Um, so if you'll follow me for a bit. Um, and we, we're going to explore the the, the vertical uh, uh, axis of the grid, the, the market niche orientation. So, when we talk about a high market niche orientation uh, manufacturer, what we mean there is that 
they often they have like a, really a one hundred percent niche focus. It's like the uh, the packaging manufacturer that I uh, referenced earlier. Very very you know, uh, one hundred percent of the target accounts can be known. Um, very well defined ideal customer profiles. The firmographic information that points us in the direction of an ideal customer is is, is very sound and and, and well defined. Uh, most often in these high market niche orientation manufacturers, they're selling to other manufacturers, mm. um, and and almost always with a direct sales organization. That up until uh, the pandemic was an outside sales organization, almost a hundred percent, yeah, almost invariably, yeah. yeah. So, um, so folks, I guess that that's what we mean when we say a, a high market niche orientation uh, company. Uh, the medium market niche orientation uh, is, is an interesting place in, in that you know this is often the the space of of, of kind of more of an omni-channel uh, environment where maybe you have a, a manufacturer that has a, um, a perhaps they sell through a, a distribution channel so um, their end customers and targets may not be perfectly known uh, through some channels, but maybe they are, they also have a, a key account group or something of that or sort. Or OEM sales, right? Exactly, yeah. right. That 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 kind of um, where 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 the niche orientation is is kind of higher for those segments. So th- that niche focus can often be within select categories of the business. And um, as a bit of a rule of thumb, we'd say again, it's 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 a it's a, an approximation, not an exact science, but you know, somewhat north of fifty percent of of the addressable accounts can be known within the niche categories of of, of manufacturers that find themselves in this medium market niche orientation. Mm-hmm. And then a low market niche orientation is where there's you know really almost just no niche focus. These are often B two B markets that that function very much like B two C categories. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the example that uh, a lot of our listeners may may know of here, and we've actually had them on the show, Klein Tools. Uh, you know, they make hand uh, tools, pliers, predominantly for electricians. Uh, and uh, I like to use that example because electricians, yes, there are big electrician companies and things of that sort, but an awful lot of electricians are, you know, one person shows or independent contractors. Yeah. yeah. So they, in some ways, they function very much like a a B to C category. You know, you're selling those products in, you know, at Home Depot or or, yep. or Lowe's or what have you, as well as specialized distributors. Of sure, course, you're, you're you're making a availability, if you will, uh, almost ubiquitous at that point. Yep. Uh, so, and and in those low market niche orientation uh, areas, you're often more like you're selling to personas, mm. buyer personas, and ideal customer profiles. Yeah, instead of target accounts. Uh, right, you, you don't even think about it really that no. way. There's not firmographic data that points you to an ideal fit. Really. Yeah, you know, if we're talking about this from a B two B perspective, it may sound like. You know, oh, the you know this low market niche orientation is someplace you don't want to. Be. It's also a really, depending on the type of B two B manufacturer you are, it can be a very enviable position as well because it oh. means you get to market like a brand marketer, which so often is is very difficult. In this yeah, case. yeah. I mean, look, uh, there's no. Uh, 
it's not pejorative in any way. We don't assume no. that, um, uh, yeah, it's just a, a representation of the market serve. Um, you, know, you can have uh, great, great businesses in every, uh, every swath of it. Yep. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample abm that's bit.ly slash sample abm so as we shift over to look at our account-based revenue competencies as an organization what do we mean by that on the high part of the model so the far kind of right uh, part of the box um uh, that's where we 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 see uh, a very highly synchronized marketing, sales, and service organization. Um, I, I uh, often use the analogy of of swimming here, and I say in a high account based revenue competency, it, it's a bit like a synchronized swim. Um, the, the the marketing, sales, service organizations are uh, acting against target account opportunities in a unified way, in a synchronized way. Uh, and they're doing so often under a, a unified kind of uh, sense of KPIs. Like as yeah. an organization, the, the, the silos have been pretty well broken down at this stage. Well, I think that's also why this is so often, a, a, you know, it, it's a hard part of the model to be in because it requires you know, you may have very good sales and marketing alignment. You may even have shared KPIs with them, but there are very few organizations where service is part of that too. And where so many B2B manufacturers are, are uh, you know, really seeing service as a growth opportunity um, to truly grow revenue with existing accounts, you know, having service and marketing and sales all aligned and working on the same things at the same time is uh, a very you know, it's, it's a very advanced place to be. Yeah, because it seems like a hard destination to get to for yeah. a lot of folks, there's no question. And of course, the, the tech stack that kind of is required to power that gets to be fairly extensive. So you're moving well beyond the, the notion of just kind of CRMs and marketing automation. At this stage, you're probably level, leveraging account-based advertising technology, you know, intent data platforms, um, tight integrations between those, et cetera. Yeah, yeah exactly. um, and, and this... Uh, and for organizations with that high account-based revenue competency, that uh, account-based revenue uh, focus extends into their digital presence and their demand gen. It's yeah. like you'll, you'll even notice on the, the websites uh, uh, for firms that, that are there, um, they they wouldn't have a general category at the top of the page like <laughs> industries or what have you. It's, yeah. It gets much more focused on that often. It's a, yeah. um, so... Uh, that helps give people, I think, a bit of a sense of it. In the medium account-based revenue competency, sticking with our swimming uh, analogy, I'd say this is where we have uh, a more like a, a medley relay, if you will. We have well-aligned marketing, sales, and service organizations. There's clear accountabilities. Um, uh, everybody knows what each other is supposed to do and when they're supposed to do it, and there's clear ha handoffs. But uh, it is that handoff, a bit more of a handing off of a baton. Um, and, and uh, you know, 
interesting uh, to, to be in that medium uh, swath of the of the grid. Certainly need to have an established MarTech foundation. You know, solid CRM marketing automation game at that stage for sure. Um, and uh, the digital presence in demand gen ought to be uh, uh, reasonably well aligned with, with target niches at this stage. And and we often find that that kind of the account focus even kind of almost starts at the sales level, of course, most mm -hmm. often. Not, not uncommon to see at the kind of the further left part of this medium swath organizations that have a fairly strong account focus on the sales side, but maybe marketing isn't there yet. Yeah, and I mean, that's an interesting opportunity as well. You know, if your organization is like that and you're a marketer who wants to explore more account-focused methods of demand gen and, and uh, you know, bringing in new opportunities, sometimes leveraging the the knowledge and the way that your sales team who are account focused can be a way to get additional buy in to, you know, to show the, you know, the positive parts of this mm -hmm. and, and show how it's already working within your organization. Yeah. yeah, no question. You know, one of the things you talk about there and sometimes we hear is at this level of competency, you know, you might have a service level agreement. You know, you hear about that. Yeah, so well, where, an SLA between marketing and sales. Exactly. Or what have you. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We 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 will bring you the right leads, and you will action them appropriately. Yes. Yeah. And we expect you to respond to them within twenty four hours, provided yep. they meet this criteria or what have you. Yeah. But marketing is not responsible for the closure of say. Yeah, and and in, in those cases, is you kind of sometimes can get a bit of a feeling like there's a bit of a cover your butt happening. Yeah. There, right. But, yeah. Um. But. Uh, it doesn't necessarily be that it's a terrible place to be. And no. for certain uh, categories, that's about as far down the uh, account-based revenue competency road as you, you really desire to go. Exactly. For, for companies that find themselves with low account-based revenue competency, well, you're either there because you're in a bad space or you're there because you ought to be, typically. So, you know, if you, if you are in a high market niche orientation and you have a low account-based uh, account revenue competency, that's a really strong indication. You know, nine times out of ten, that's an organization that has dramatically underinvested in marketing. Um, most of the investment has been on the sales side of the game, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, a, a, like a mid-sized B two B manufacturer that just has minimal investment for their, and is kind of having to, to, to kind of leapfrog, if you will, their current uh, current state. Uh, alternatively, it, it, you could find yourself uh, with low account-based revenue competency, maybe because you're like client tools, mm -hmm. and uh, it is not your game. It's not where you yeah. ought to be. Um, and, and that first, in that sense, you're, maybe you're more of a, a brand-first marketer, mm -hmm. if you will, um, a distributor, retail focus. Um, uh, just a, it's, a, it's a different uh, situation than somebody further uh, up the market niche orientation. So, yeah. It, and I mean, if if it's not, if you're not like Klein Tools and you are the former example that you used, there's potential danger there because a lot of times you're talking about sales teams with a lot of built-in knowledge about the accounts. Sometimes they're the only people who know what's going on in those accounts. And the knowledge is all in their head or it's stored in esoteric emails and, and spreadsheets on their computer, but it doesn't necessarily... You know, there, there's no knowledge transfer, and and a lot in a lot of cases with the B2B organizations we speak with, if they have that kind of a model and that's where they're aligned, that sales team may be looking to retire in the coming years, and there needs to be a shift in order to get out of a bit of a danger zone. Yeah, kind of. I, I think it's a good point. I think that kind of 
high higher uh, niche orientation. If you're looking to 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 make a sh- a transition, if you will, if, if that's where you are, and you're looking to move from low account based revenue competency towards a high account based revenue competency, um, that uh, friction um, with the sales organization or culture change required in sales is not uncommon at all no and, um, and that's why it's you know these are generally multi-year progressions yeah. where you're you know kind of beginning to build that team as a as a secondary way of uh, of going to market yeah and uh, in addition to to the kind of the culture if you will uh, lift that might be there there's also a systems one-off and when you you see an organization no i mean it's it's amazing to me every time you encounter uh, a, a mid-sized B2B manufacturer who operates exclusively through an outside sales team and, and at best it's being managed in a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. you know, there's just no CRM. Yeah. Um, uh, there, and, 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 if, and if the spreadsheet doesn't exist, um, it's in it's there. It's not a centralized spreadsheet. No, and it's, you know, most of it's in the, the, the head, stored knowledge of, of 35-year veteran salespeople. It, um, don't don't you know don't judge because they've made a lot of money for those yeah of course but, of course they have it's just that but it does mean that to move uh to where we're talking to, sh- to to ramp up our account-based revenue competency it means that it's not just a, an investment in people and process and culture but it's also an investment in systems yeah um often yep and um, the good news, I think, though, for those organizations and, and for the, the, the people leading that change is that the impact is potentially incredibly high. People that are at that high market niche orientation typically means they have a high lifetime value of customer, uh, often a very high first purchase order mm. even. Um, and they're and, probably well-serviced, those yeah, customers. Yeah. And, 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 and there's big cross-sell opportunities within um, th- those accounts. So, um, so you can, uh, you know, if you're starting down that path, the good news is even with the longer sales cycles that typically are associated with a higher market niche orientation, um, the, the the payoff can be pretty mm. uh, when it does happen. It gets, it gets to be pretty big pretty fast, which is a, a, a nice reward. Well, let's talk a bit about that. We've got about you know five or so minutes left. Let's talk about what some of the progressions might look like, you know, from from where people are starting out to where we might see them going, and what would be required of them to get there. Yeah, well, like we just said about the, the that kind of transition on the high side. So mm-hmm. if we look at more like the medium people that are more in the medium uh, swath of, of the grid in in this orientation, um, you know. What do we see there? Well, it often starts with um, a bit more of a bringing more of a conversion focus um, uh, to their to their digital presence, and, and also bringing more lead handling sophistication, if you will. Um, uh, and, and and integrating, beginning to integrate that account focus um, into their existing, uh, demand gen programs. Yeah. So, Making um, sure the content is aligned with those strategies, right. creating it in tandem with the so, sales team. So it's not going to be one-to-one account focused content, no. of course, but it may well be the, the, the place where you start to build out some of your vertical focus content. Mm-hmm. 
um, or or maybe you you, you build out uh, some content just for uh, your distributors to market exclusively to them. So you can kind of bring in account focus in a couple of different ways without having to get um, uh, super specific, I yeah. guess. Um, uh, and there's often for, for in, in the media market niche orientation, a, a real strong opportunity as you move left to right to uh, really bring more focus to a media spend, um, be that um, uh, getting some of the junk out of a, out of a, um, uh, say a paid search strategy yeah. or, um, or account based display versus say Google display. Yeah, the, the the savings on media alone can often pay for these programs if you're if you're spending a lot on uh, on display and AdWords and everything. Else. Yeah, you can you can really do it almost as a, a cost neutral proposition, mm-hmm. and then uh, obviously it's not impact neutral. So well, no, the, the um, impact is going to be outsized. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, then I guess on, in, in that lower tier. Um, you know, there may be times when you're you're not trying to move. Um, as an example, sticking with client tools, I remember in talking to uh, the VP there. You know, he really looked up to a lot of what Harley Davidson did as a, a leading uh, consumer brand marketing organization. So, and, and probably one of the only pliers companies who people have actually like gotten married under their logo, yeah, um, yeah. gotten tattoos. Like, so, so we saw some parallel. And I think yeah. there's, I think you can drive the between the two factors in about an hour or so, oh. or the two headquarters too. So there's, uh, I think, some uh, con- connection or admiration there. But it was, so you know, somebody like that isn't looking to necessarily move left to right at all. But um, uh, for those that are, um, it would be, uh, it's often really just the emphasis here is about uh, on being found, um, uh, you know, for, for those brands that are not not of the scale of Klein, mm-hmm. I think of a, a recent guest we had on the show, C-Therm. They make thermal uh, uh, instrumentation to test thermal conductivity. You might think that that's pretty niche. It does sound like a niche product, but it's a wide, wide range of applications, many of which they can't kind of foresee in advance. Yeah. So, so much need, of their... You need to be able to let people raise their hands and say, yeah, that applies to me too. Can I... You know, yeah, how yeah. I use it. So, so much of their strategy is about being found, and then of course they can move a little bit left to left to right here if they can help themselves be be found for some specific applications or specific verticals or what have. You. Yeah. So there is some opportunity for movement. And the last thing I would mention is just uh, the op- most well, most of the movement in the grid is left to right. Um, um, there is an opportunity for some vertical shift as well, which is basically what's happening there is as organizations begin to go to market in a more account-focused way, um, uh, this is kind of, I, I call this kind of like the Tootsie Roll moment, right? <laughs> um, you know, as you go to, begin to go to, 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 to market in a more account-focused way, you begin to see the markets you serve through a more account-focused lens. It's like that whatever it is, I think I see, it looks like Tootsie Rolls to me. <laughs> you have to be of a certain vintage to get this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, uh, and, you know, different people have a different opportunities for that vertical movement because, again, the, the markets that they serve mm-hmm. uh, lend themselves to that discovery at different rates. Yeah. It's kind of like once you, you know, once you've seen something, <laughs> you start to see opportunity all over the place. I hope that uh, serves to introduce folks a bit to that thinking and, uh, um, and uh, yeah, shape it up a bit. That, um, 
Yeah, I, I think it's good to understand kind of what the model means. Um, you know, if you if you check out the uh, the transcript on this, you'll you'll see kind of how that sort of works out. And and in all honesty, if it's something that really interests you and you and you're kind of wondering where you fit, you know, we do have this diagnostic. We don't like to just put it out there because it, it needs a bit of context. So if you'd like to um, learn more or yeah, requires kind of, some processing of the results on the back end yeah so, yeah so, for sure so yeah. just just we don't want to sound lazy or anything no no we, we're more than happy to uh <laughs> to, to, we'll, we'll do the work, we'll do the work. <laughs> but yeah just uh, email carmen at coolapartners.com that's c-a-r-m-a-n at k-u-l-a partners.com yeah thanks i look forward to hearing from you yeah it's been a great conversation thanks carmen i've enjoyed it cheers Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>